Hello, everyone, and welcome to the Beyond the Mat podcast, hosted by Emmanuel Clauser and Jared Rowan. A space for you to transcend your yoga beyond your mat and into your life. Hello, everyone. Welcome back to Beyond the Mat. Happy Thursday. Hey, everybody. Happy Thursday. I'm pumped. Jared and I have not recorded in a little bit. Like we kind of bulked a couple episodes and now we're back to recording. And I was excited for it. I was looking forward to recording this episode today. And to the listeners, Manuel and I, you guys know it's Miami and, you know, Ocean City here, but we did physically get to see each other a couple of days ago. We did. It was so amazing. Jared was, Jared's just a world traveler. <laughs> Try, trying to a little bit so i was uh helping doing some some airport transport and yeah. uh, i got to give him a nice squeeze it was very very nice and now we're back in our respective areas and we're ready to record for you yes yes we're super excited to be back at it anything new you want to share um no i don't think like anything major is going on um in the coming couple of weeks or months. Um, no, what about you? Just kind of same for me. Same. Yeah. Miami is insanely crowded right now. It's Art Basel week, which is the busiest week of the year. It's just a big moment for the city. So it's super wild. Like when you cross the street on one of the main drag, it's like Times Square. Oh, like wow. it's that busy right now. Yeah. So it's been interesting because it's my first, everyone's like, oh, it's your first art basil. I was like, yeah, it's my first one. God, I so, feel like it's an episode of Gossip Girl. I told you that before. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> like I in Miami. But um, the only thing we do have to look forward to, I am doing, and I'm sad you won't be there, but a very Merry Swiftmas Christmas party. Yes, that's exciting. That will be the highlight, and everybody will be assigned an era. And I and they have to dress up like it. So they in spell. They got to be. We don't do costumes, girl. Right? We got so Matt and I will be reputation. Of course, you will. I don't know how that happened. It's a mystery. So we will be blacked out and snakes and all this stuff. So that is what that is something I'm really looking forward to. I am going to request pictures for that. Yes. Yes, I'm gonna want a picture. Um yeah, I don't know. I'll be here for the holidays. It's gonna be a little weird. They put a wreath down in my building and like a poinsettia, and I took a picture of it and posted it on my Instagram because I was so stoked. But it's the weirdest thing. Right across from the studio, there's a grocery store. And they have kind of like a little parking lot situation and it's a bunch of palm trees, right? Super high and tall. And then under that is a little kiosk with Christmas trees. And there's just like a little man sitting there with like a hat and a bell in the middle of tropical jungle selling Christmas trees. It always hits me. I'm just like, this is so out of place. Yeah, Santa probably wears shorts in Florida, I think. A hundred percent. He has like the pants that have zippers on them. Yes. Zips off at the knees. Yeah, he gets to Florida. He's like, all right, let's zip that off. Oh my God, too funny. <laughs> Anyways, today we are talking about life as a practice, 
not perfection, but more so about progress. Yes. And this is, I thought this was such a good topic because um, we always have a running list going and, and then we get inspired and we switch things up and, um, but people are pretty outcome driven. So I always really love um, talking about the importance of progression um, and practice and perfectionism, and they all kind of go together. Um, and I think this does speak to the physical asana and yoga practice. Um, do you have any thoughts on like yoga, yoga, the physical practice as a practice of progression versus nailing the pose or like perfecting something? Yes. As I reflect on it too, it's interesting because yeah, it's progression, but I think that it's important to remember that progression is not necessarily like in a straight line. And oh, yeah. we have to to honor that because you're like, oh yeah, it's not perfection. But if you're talking about progression, it's going to be like, you're going to improve every single time, which is not necessarily the case. I think we're more so talking, or if you're asking me, we're more so talking about progression in the way that you would honor where you're at and you would progress in that direction. Like but that. first you'd you're able to assess what's going on so that you can give yourself what it is that you need in the moment at hand instead of just pushing forward. And of course, it's just like everything else. Like the more you do it, the more you'll feel yourself um, feeling at ease and things that may have been a little bit challenging at the beginning. So a very silly example is if you take warrior two, for example, which is a pose that everyone can probably picture in their head, well, when people first come into a room where it's 90 or 100 degrees and then they stay in warrior two for five breaths, their front leg is shaky. They feel like a lot of exertion. But if they keep coming back and they maintain a practice over time, warrior two for five breaths is going to be quite easeful. Yeah. So I think that's a good way to take it at. But also I wanted to touch on the fact that you know, progression's not always linear. And I found in my personal practice that oftentimes it, it kind of is circular. And we've talked about like the metaphors of life as, as being a circle, but I'll work on a pose and then I'll circle back to something super basic. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So what about you? Um, yeah, I think in the, I, lo I love so many things that you had spoken to, um, but I think there is like progression uh, and, and practice, uh, you know, has also has a sense of discipline, right? Or I like that you kind of said that, but didn't say that, like, <clears throat> there is a sense of you, you show up, you do what you can do, but you keep showing up. Right. And even just the showing up to me is progression for people, like, like doing something regularly and sticking with it. And, um, <clears throat> and then the more obvious examples is when you do nail something in class which I think is a pretty cool moment. Um, I'm thinking about some poses that took me a while and I've referenced some of them on the podcast before, but, and it's a really funny thing, but like handstand I did very early on and actually nailed it quickly. But then crow pose took me five years and yes, I know. And then side crow took me nine years to actually do it. Um, and I can tell you like achieving the pose is really exciting, but 
it, it's more about the process to get there. Like mm-hmm. you stuck with something for that long and you, and, and I, I just think that's amazing. Like the, the end product isn't as powerful as what you did, what you went through to get there. Oh yeah, totally agree. And, and what you actually, in yoga, this is why people who don't practice yoga are like, what the heck's yoga? And like, how is it so powerful? And, blah, blah, blah. and I just think it, it's so metaphorical. Like mm-hmm. if you can push through fear, if you can push through self-doubt in something as quote unquote simple as yoga and stretching and doing that, think of what you can do in your life, um, which that's what I take from yoga. And I can recall a girl in my class who I've had uh, a long time and she still comes when she did scorpion pose. And you know how challenging that is. That's I mean, that, super challenging. That's yeah. Very challenging pose. And at one point I avoided inversions. Um, so my challenge was every month for the past three or four years, I teach a month of inversions and they're sequenced in all my classes. And I can remember teaching Scorpion and everybody is like at Yoga Vibes, like, okay, how are we going to do that? Right. <laughs> it's, I mean, it's pretty intense. And I cannot tell you, I went down and cued her through it as everybody else was doing it. And she did, she was so, you could tell she was scared. And then I'm like, you need to do this. You need to squeeze your arms. You need to get, get your, right. and she just did it. And <gasps> It was like she gasped mm-hmm. and it was just such a pr- beautiful moment. And every time I, not every time I see her, when I see her, it's a memory that I hold. And it's not because I, I didn't do it, but it was so cool. She showed up all the time for practice. And that's when we're talking about like practice as a progression, like what a very cool moment for her. Oh, totally. Um, so that sticks in my head. And if she listens, I don't know if she does, but she'll know. Mm -hmm. Um, I tell her all the time that it's just, it's a memory that I hold. That's sweet. Mm -hmm. And also too, I think, um, the term perfection is such an interesting one because it is so personal like what is perfect to you is probably not perfect to me and it's probably not perfect to our neighbor. So it's our judgment or what we think of as like the best end result in a yoga practice, which is such a silly thing because really asana is simply a mean to open the body so that you can sit, do breath exercises, meditate and become enlightened. But you, and I'm sure you have heard, old school yogis would push their students to the point where they would, they would snap muscles. Oh yeah. They are attached. I remember, and I'm not going to say what lineage, but there was a lineage. I had a friend of a friend, but a very famous teacher and he pushed her in a wide-legged forward fold and she, her hamstring. Yeah. And he said to her, that is your fault, not my fault. Oh, crazy. I mean, there's some crazy, and, and I mean, it's kind of referenced a little bit in what's the book we love that we recommend where she kind of stood up to Atabi Joyce, I think. Yeah, 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 yeah. It's the Sean Korn book. Revolution it, of the Soul. Is that yes. That? Yep. Um, I think it's similar tradition and um, poses. I love that you said that 
are not, there's not a perfect way to do a pose because there's not a perfect body or a body that's the same. And there's always a different intention behind it. So you can adjust, you can tweak a little bit of the pose, just the angle of your head or where you place your hands can change the sensation in the body. And that's going to vary with the intention of the teacher. If it's well thought, the teacher is going to know, okay, I'm doing this for this reason. And you say this a lot, but how many ways are there to get into pigeon? Oh, so many. So many, you know, it's like, oh, try to explore all the ways to do this and to do that. And you can do, if you think of a simple forward fold, you can do one with your legs straight and your sternum forward. You can do one with your spine rounded and a little bend in your knees. And they're both a forward fold, but they do, both do different things for the body. And that's not saying that one's perfect and then the other is not. It's saying they do different things. It's a different tool. So it's just an interesting concept to put on um, the asana practice. And I think not to shame social media, but I think Instagram and the picture perfect image of what yoga is, has a lot to do with our idea that yoga is this, you know, this practice that we do that's going to lead us to take a really cute picture on the beach while in a handstand. Yeah, I know we we can't even go there, but <laughs> because that makes it look like, you know, I don't know that it it so much speaks to progression as much as outcome. I mean, yeah. because you're snapping the photo and it is really cool, but I think it just negates like the practice that you put into it, the the things along the way. Because I always tell people, okay, so once you nail the pose, then what? Mm-hmm. And oftentimes, a lot of people say like, well, what's next, which is kind of sad too. Yeah. Also also a healthy thought, right? Because we want to be growing and moving, but how about enjoy that? Contentment. Yeah, for sure. The balance uh, of both. Yeah. um, So I can tell you for me personally, and maybe you can talk to this too. I'm not attached to, to anything right now in terms of pose goals. Like, I don't think I have been for a year or a couple months. Like, I don't really have something that I need to nail. Do you? Like, I feel like I used to to be that. Yeah, I was very attached when I came back from Germany. I was like, okay, I need to work on my handstand. I need to do drills. Like, I really, because I did so much when I was there. And I do genuinely enjoy the process that's the difference you know it's like i do enjoy the process because it is allowing me to process a lot of fear-based vision of the world and understand how i evaluate my situations and all that and so i find a lot of good learning about my own person through the handstand practice yeah and i also enjoy it which is nice but I was really gun ho. I was like, okay, first I'm going to do this entry and I'm going to nail that. And then, then I'm going to do this one. And then I'll do like down dog to a handstand and all these things. And now I'm, I'm not so much because it made my body very tired too. And that's the thing is like, if you don't check in, yeah, like, yes, I enjoy it. Yes. It's a good tool for learning, but I was freaking exhausted, exhausted. And so uh, it, it had to give. And now that I don't do it, I do miss it sometimes. And I do wish that I could walk on my hands, but I can't. And I'm more rested. I feel better. I feel healthier. So, you know. I love that. 
some people have the luxury of practicing two, three hours a day. I, I can't do that. It would mean that I wake up, I don't know, at two. <laughs> I hate to even do that. Yeah. So. Um, yeah. So it is a lot about the process. Um, and I think that bleeds into like life. And, and we always take it beyond the mat is like um, how how I think we're attached to outcome in our lives rather than going with the flow, quote unquote, and moving with the progression of life. Uh, we all want to get to the finish line, but without mm-hmm. running the marathon, you know, it's like, but I want the nice thing and I want the the whatever whatever your goal is um i guess can you first before we dive into that does that resonate with you like do you feel like you are that person were that person like attached to the outcome rather than the steps to get to the outcome and the magic that happens in between answer is yes and no yeah i yeah. definitely was that person and not so much anymore. I'm not very much attached to the outcome. However, I feel very challenged when I don't have an outcome inside. So when I'm just traveling and I don't quite seem to know where the finish line is or if there's right. a finish line or how long the race is, that's quite triggering for me. So that's something that I'm working on. And sometimes you just got to keep running. And the terrain will change and the nature of the race will change, but eventually you'll get to a point that will make sense for your journey. But uh, see, that's the harder part that I'm working on. So I am fully aware that the minute you cross the finish line, you start a new race, right? It's kind of like always, 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 always. Um, And so I've learned to be very okay and actually enjoy the trials and tribulation of participating in the progression of things. But when, when I don't know how long I'm going or what's coming up, that is, that's my challenge right now. Yeah. It's the sitting, sitting in the, in, in the race a bit and Mm -hmm. sitting in time and feeling. And I think you said this one time, I think it was you. Like sometimes you, even if you don't know where you're going, at least being willing to be on the the road will, will probably bring you somewhere. Like your, your destination kind of pops up. So, Mm -hmm. and I think that's a willingness when we talk about practice and progression, it's like, you don't even have to be so definitive. I tell people, I always tell people, just be curious about something you want in life Mm -hmm. and then pursue that curiosity and notice what comes up along the way and new experiences. So oftentimes, you know, as I'm therapizing people, relationships (laughs) is a common one, right? Yeah. And I often have times have people that are like, well, why am I dating the same type of person? Uh, or why am I getting, I'm never getting the outcome I want. And it's because they're dating the same types of people. So I say, try to date a, a different variety. Well, I don't know that I like the, you know, the guy who seems nice and, mm-hmm. who, you know, and I'm like, but you got to give it a few tries. Yeah. Then, see what works. Yeah. And, and be willing to, to apply it. Mm-hmm. Um, and I just think, and you and I've talked a lot about this too, like preferences are wonderful, but they're not very informative. No. Like preferences are lovely, but why potentiate something you're already 
inclined towards. Yeah. Yeah. It's like you need to go against. So it's almost like people that are really good at being alone. I often have them in therapy socialize more because they're already really good or people that are super social and can't sit by themselves. You got to learn to sit, meditate for five minutes. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Um, You know, and that will bring more tool into your toolbox that you can use to navigate life because it will shift. And there will be moments where it's going to be beneficial to be, if we take your example, social and other moments where it's going to be more beneficial to be a little bit more introspective and to be able to sit with yourself. Right. And both will be serving depending on what you're going through. And if you can only do one, then sometimes you'll feel out of sorts and you won't know why. And, you know, one thing we talked about when, when I was there in Miami with you, I think this is relevant to the pod, is um, if you don't have to work to get something, how meaningful is the stuff that you get? Yes. You know? It's, yeah. It's like, we, Emmanuel, we were talking about lots of different things when we were visiting, as we always do. But, you know, like, like if you travel all the time, for example, like if you mm-hmm. go to Europe once a month, I just wonder how how meaningful the Europe trip is if you go once a month versus you saved your money for a whole year. You worked an extra shift at work. You like, I have to believe that it's way more meaningful when you get mm-hmm. there. Yeah. And that's, don't you think that's even progression? Oh, totally. And I think it's... It, it's a different kind of work because if you don't have to put in effort in order to do or acquire things, then you have to train yourself to contentment because you're down a slippery slope where you always want more because it's such an easy access to so many different things. So you have to train yourself to appreciate the Europe trip or the nice dinner or whatever material goods you have in the same way that you would if you'd work three years to get it, mm-hmm. whatever yeah. it may be. Yeah. So, and I think, and I think that's, that's super important. And it's also like realizing that the, and this is hard for people. And I'd love to hear your opinion of this before I kind of talk about it in my perspective, in my world, but like the benefits of failure and multiple failures along your, your path. Do you have like, like there's so much power, I think, to failing. And I think people are missing out that aren't quote unquote failing. Well, first of all, everyone's failing. Sorry. (laughs) (laughs) I'm now thriving now. Uh, I mean, you can be thriving and have some moments where you feel like you failed or you've like, I feel like fail is such a a heavy word, but like you've missed the mark or you haven't like quite completed the task or you made a mistake. Yeah. made a mistake. Lighter. lighter Um, there is so much value in making mistakes. And I think a question that comes around often in interviews when people sit with others and they're like, oh, if you could go back and change anything about your life, would you change anything? And it's funny that we're talking about that because as I was driving back from my adventure today, I was thinking about that. I was like, oh, if I if I could change anything about my life, would I change anything? And I wouldn't. Mm-mm. And I've made so many mistakes. 
And you know what? I just talked to a client this morning and she was saying she was reflective on her past and it was really some good progress for her because she said she gave advice to other girls, like something along the lines of, you know, don't follow a boy for, for college or something like something as simple as that. And she said, but I wouldn't have changed what I did, but, and I love that because she's not living in regret, but you're also, what she has done is gained good point of reference, good experience, She's learned something from that. Like in therapy, I'm like, oh my God, confetti is going off in the room. I was yeah, like, you're like, you're like, like having a proud therapist moment. Yes, because I'm like, oh my God, she's getting it. Like mm-hmm. we can't live in regret of our past because each misstep or mistake or thing that didn't work out, be so grateful for it because it has prepared you. It has made you a probably more resilient, well-rounded, multi-dimensional person. Totally. It's so funny that we're talking about this because my Thanksgiving, you know, I always do like a little bit of an intention. And so for my class on Thanksgiving or just after, I was telling them about how I hosted a couple people at my house. And then I went to, because I'm super OCD, I couldn't have any trash or anything on the counter. So as everyone was eating, I was cleaning up as they were going. And when the trash bag was full, I took it downstairs and I locked myself out of my building. And I was on the sidewalk, barefoot walking around the sidewalk and to the front trying for someone to let me in. And I, as I do when things per se don't work out, I look up at the sky and I go, really, you know, like, is this what we're really doing right now? And I took a moment and I told my class, I was like, if you look at my past year of eight or 18 months on paper, you could say that nothing really worked out. Mm -hmm. And if someone would have told me a year and a half ago that I would be here right now doing what I'm doing, I would have totally laughed at you. Right. And in a way that's, and that's what I told them. I could not be more grateful for that because it has taught me so much. Has it been easy? No. Did I make mistake? One million mistake over the past year, but did I learn probably more than any of the other year of my life? Amen. The things that you learn when you quote unquote struggle are so beneficial if if you choose to learn from them. Right. And that's the the secret, right? Mm-hmm. Like if and, and we see this a lot with with loss for people, is they mostly they get there eventually. Like they learn from law from losses of relationships, I'm thinking of most commonly, or grief related things. Like there's so much to be learned from the loss you learn more about who you are you learn about what you want you learn about what is truly valuable um you learn how to hopefully not repeat a process if it didn't warrant you a uh desired outcome Mm -hmm. um there's just so there's so much to be learned so that's why when i tell people in therapy you know when, when we're talking about progression it's like i want them to try all the things they're scared to try I want them to do all the things they want. They they are afraid to do because they're in a space where there's someone to process that with them. Like, yeah. why wouldn't you be like, now is the time to take the leaps of faith? Yes. 
you know, and I had, it was really funny because I was working with a young woman earlier this week, I think I got it with traveling, everything blends, but, (laughs) um, and she was like talking about really wanting to call her ex. And we were talking about why she wouldn't. And the reason she wouldn't is because everybody else thought she shouldn't. And I said, but what do you want? She's like, I'm I'm gonna call my ex, and I'm like, okay, I didn't tell you to do that. No, but you do get to like choose like choose your own course of action, mm-hmm. and I think that's really important too. Yes, you know, and that's progress for her because she's very concerned with what people think, and she doesn't trust her own self to make good decisions. You know, so that is also progress. It's like doing things that you might be unsure of but doing them anyways, and then kind of recapping it and either, you know, reevaluating it and then doing something similar again or switching it up. Yeah. And you can't be attached to, or you shouldn't be attached to how successful it's going to be. Right. And you had this line in the show notes that pertains to like how perfection if you're so attached to it can rob you of the journey because all you see is this idea that really you've made up in your mind. I'm sorry to say this completely a conception, a vision that you've had that you created as per your upbringing or like societal values and pressures and like environments and things like that of whatever perfection it could be perfection in like what your house looks like or what your job needs to be or your income or your family situation um or what your body looks like and it it robs you of the daily adventures that you engage in and all the progress that you can make as you navigate life to ultimately realize that whatever is happening for you in the moment is exactly as it should be, yes. however easy or hard it may be. Mm-hmm. And there's no such thing. We got to really, as a society, deconstruct perfectionism. Mm-hmm. The goal is not to be perfect. Um, the goal is also not to be like 0%. But I think 100% is unrealistic. And if you can have a little bit of grace with yourself along the way, that, again, makes you a more adaptable person. Yeah. If you can, that's why I always say, I forget who I was talking to recently, but I said to them, I'm so happy that you're facing challenges now because eventually you're going to have more. And the earlier you can face them, you you will have more opportunity to rebound quicker in the future. And I and will you'll have you, all these moments or tools that you've learned or required over yes. the years or the moments that felt difficult to use when you find yourself faced with new challenges. Yes. And I will tell you because I, I know I've told you, but when I was in India, I had a Vedic astrology reading and I'm not going to get into my own therapy session, but the Vedic, <laughs> the Vedic astrologer really hit it on the head. He said, you had an early life of a lot of suffering. And I know I've talked a little bit about my health suffering and different things on here. Um, but I can tell you, I am 100% grateful for that because it has made me realize what to value in life and who to value. And I can tell you in the moment I was so scared 
I was scared that I was going to not make it. I was scared I was going to be, you know, on a feeding tube, all sorts of stuff. Mm -hmm. I can tell you now that fear is not there. That because of of the challenge, I'm a better person for it. So I think like, I think that's very important for people to realize that suffering and, and that idea, life is imperfect. It is. And it's funny that you bring up the astrology reading, not that we're going to do your therapy session, but I remember also having the conversation with you about what 2023 being a terrible year and the anticipation that it generated in you as though you like you were preparing to go to war as though it was going to be all this. But if you face challenges, get what? Guess what? You'll grow. And I will figure it out. And I know I was like, oh, my God, 2023 is my last Saturn return or something. You were uh, having a moment about it until you snap you from one time that we spoke to the next. You were like, I'm done. Yeah. Yeah. I'm like, you know, I'm going to do the things. I don't have to do it in a timeline because because the universe says that what that means is it might be a bit more challenging to navigate change. But yep. like you said, it doesn't mean you can't navigate it. No. And I think that's, that's the takeaway, you know, mm-hmm. but yeah, well, that's wonderful. I hope this helped you guys. Cause this was such a fun conversation to have. Oh, this was, a, yeah, this was a good one. We could probably go on and on. Yeah. It was pretty, pretty nice to catch up. Um, anything else before we, we part ways? No, I think like the takeaway is just, you know, Look at life as I love that you said is not linear. Look at it as spherical and don't be so concerned and driven by outcome. Be engaged in the process, I think is the takeaway. Like just be engaged in it through the tears, through the triumphs, mm-hmm. through everything. Be engaged in the whole whole process. Do you have any, I guess, final words from your No, I think that did it. That's really keep at it too. Don't bow down. Just know that there will be moment that will feel easeful and there will be moment that will feel a little harder and keep going through both. And I think that's important because it made me think if you're waiting for the other shoe to drop, the other shoe will always drop. Mm-hmm. So just keep in mind, because I know I'm probably speaking to people who would said, but I've had a lot of bad things and I've had repeated bad things. That may be the case. But if you see the world is only giving you bad, you will only receive bad. Mm-hmm. So know that try to navigate out of that perspective, if you can, of, of curiosity, into curiosity, rather than, ugh, you know, the bad thing. So I, I, I love that to end it. Yeah, perfect. Yeah. All right. Well, thank you for listening. We really appreciate you. And we will see you next week. Bye, guys. Bye.